and uh, turn, again there should be a Bible near you or maybe under a seat near you and turn to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4 if you would this morning, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and uh, we're going to begin reading in verse number 8. I want to give you a challenge that many uh, pastors and preachers normally will give just before a new year or right after a new year. But uh, again, this is a good challenge anytime and to any person. And so I want to give you a challenge to read the Bible. A challenge to read the Bible. And I know that, you know, if you ask actually, honestly, all Americans, if they've ever read the Bible, most have said, will say they have. But I really, I, I really wonder, I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean or whatever it might be, but I'm, I really wonder if, if a lot of those people have said they've read the Bible saying, oh, I did read a verse or two, I did read a chapter, I did read a book, uh, and when it comes to Bible reading, I want to challenge you to read the Bible. This is not, again, to uh, be mean or rough on you, because I, I understand some people, honestly, uh, have a hard time with reading. You might not read much of anything. You might not read a lot at all. And I, I'm, I mean, I have a heart to read a lot of stuff. I have a library full of books. You can come to my library full of books at home, and you can see literally hundreds of books that I have. But you could ask me how many I've read, and I'll tell you, well, not, not much of these. In fact, my kids have given me books in the past and say, Dad, we got you a book for Christmas last year, and you haven't read it yet. Yeah. I like to read a lot of stuff. If I could read and read and read, that'll be great, but uh, I don't think I'll get those chances to read maybe like others some uh, might be able to do. But again, I, I just want to talk to you about a challenge to read the Bible. A challenge to read the Bible. We'll begin here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and uh, we'll begin in verse number 8. It says, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having a promise of life that now is, and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, and faith, in impurity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given thee by the prophecy, by the laying hand of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear unto all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing, these, uh, doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. This morning I want to talk to you about this, this challenge, a challenge to read the Bible. Let's pray as we consider this thought. Father, thank you again for your word here today. I thank you again for uh, the word of God, the power of the word, the ability of the word of God to transform life, the the word of God having much wisdom in it, the word of God being the source of truth and what's right. Father, I ask that you'd help again each one here to consider, again, reading this book for themselves, reading it uh, for their own understanding, their comprehension, their own good. And again, as we look at this thought here today, I pray that we would, again, just maybe re-look re re at our life, re Look at what we're doing in our life and, and consider reading this book more this, this year. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, a challenge to read the Bible. Look at this thing. There's some people who have never read a book this thick. Any book. There's a lot to read here. And a challenge to read this can be almost like no way, you got to be kidding me. Read something that long? I don't even do that when I'm forced to read that for school. Something that long. I mean, this, this book here, I mean, I mean, there's different editions or whatever it might be. And I don't know, you could pull up the one that's maybe in your pew. I don't know how many pages it has. But this one here, this one I own, 1,323 pages. That's a lot of reading. And again, for, to encourage someone to read that book can become 
so insurmountable that they might start it and quit on it. Let me ask you, have you ever quit reading a book? I guarantee you I have. I've started reading a book and I've just like lost interest. Or I thought, you know, hey, you know, what's in that book? It, it just, it's just not necessary for me to read. You know, reading a book, it might be easy for some if it's 90 pages long. But 1,300 pages, or maybe yours is 1,400 pages, maybe someone's is 1,600 pages, that's a lot of reading. And for someone to start that book and to read that book is quite a challenge. And let me just say this, if you read the whole of the Bible, I'm not saying you're better than anybody, that's a major accomplishment because most people haven't read this book. Yet they'll believe people that preach this book and they haven't read the book themselves. The Bible says here, as we turn back to our text, it says here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says, Bodily exercise profiteth little, and it does profit. People live longer through exercise. There's no doubt about that. And that's scripturally right, and that's medically right, and that's certainly right, and there's a lot of people that put a lot of emphasis on exercise. If you exercise, you'll live longer. I get that. But you know this? If you find out what salvation is about, you'll live forever. It's quite a difference in that. This profits you a little, this exercise that you do on this side of heaven, but this book, if you connect with it, so to speak, and you believe it, you receive it, you trust in it, you gain the salvation given it, you have life forever, eternal life. It says here, bodily exercise profit little, but God is profitable unto all, having promise of life that now is, and that which is to come. If I had to choose between godliness or exercise, I would, as a, a believer, choose godliness. And honestly, that was a choice I made in life. I mean, most of you guys don't maybe know that I used to run all the time. I mean, I don't look like a runner. Not certainly like a runner now, 50-some years old. I don't look like a runner. I really, I don't know exactly when I started, but I think it was about age eight. I believe it was until at least 20 years old, I ran nearly every day. Every day. I mean, it'd be cold outside, I'd run. I'm not saying every day, but I'm saying it was a consistent thing for me. Training, running, exercising. It was something I normally did. It was something I like to do. Some people say running. I have no interest in that. Reading, I have no interest in that. I understand, again, the, the whole concept there. Some things we like to do, some things we don't like to do. But when it comes to godliness, the Bible says that it can have uh, uh, profits us both in this life and the life to come. And then bodily exercise, it does profit a little, and so there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's good for you to do that. It's good for I. Uh, to exercise, and again, it's good for our body, it's good for our mind, it's good for a lot of different things, it's good for our mental ability, it's sometimes good for us in so many different ways. But godliness is exponentially better than that. And he goes on and says a number of things here. He says, uh, verse number 9, this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation. Therefore, uh, for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust the living God who is the Savior of men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. These things that he's about to tell Timothy to do, he's to command and to teach. I'm not going to go through all this. I'm not going to have time here. But it talks about being an example of the believers. That's what we should command and teach. You, every one of you, should seek to be an example of the believers. And in what areas? It says here, in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Then it says there, verse 13, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, given by thee a prophecy, and laying hand to the hands of Presbyterian men, update upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may be appear unto all. You know, it uses the word profiting, uses profiteth, verse number eight there. And again, it'll use the word profit here, telling us that these things are good for us to be doing. Take heed to thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing the, this, thou shalt save thyself and them that hear thee. 
continue in them. Again, our focus here this morning is in verse 13, till I come, give attendance to reading. Give attendance to reading. You know, the Bible would challenge us to read. You know, Jesus himself would challenge us to read. And so it's good for us to think about this subject this morning of reading. I'm not going to challenge you to read more than maybe you can this year, but maybe from some of you young people, pick out two books to read. This year, just pick out two books to read. If you want to be saved by grace, pick out John and Romans to read. I'm not saying, again, you'll get saved through John and Romans, but they are used all around the world to tell people about salvation and belief. Pick out two books to read this year. I don't care if you uh, decide what books to read, but I challenge you to read John and Romans this year. You know, I don't think I read John and Romans for 19 years of my life, so you'll be doing better than I did, okay? I might have started in Genesis as an unbeliever before I was saved by grace, and I might have picked around here and there in the Bible, but I'll just say this. If you want to be saved by grace this year, pick out John and Romans to read and start there. And then maybe get yourself over to the book of Ephesians. I'm not saying that's what you should do. I'm just saying that would be probably a good plan for you to do if you want to be saved by grace. Read John and Romans this year. And maybe get yourself over in the book of Again, Ephesians there this year, if you can get there. You know, that'd be enough maybe for you this year to really look through those books and consider those books for yourself. The Bible says give attendance to reading. You know, there's a lot of things we give attendance or attention to. We give attendance not so much anymore, but on a daily basis, most people give attendance to the news. You check out the news. Every day, you check out the news. Just about everybody checks out the news. Maybe they don't check out the news. It's ah, just, just a bunch of trash on the news. But maybe you'd give attendance every day to, to what the weather's like. How many, how many of you guys would honestly, you don't have to raise your hands, but you, you, you would say, you know, I, I check out what the weather's like every day. I give attention to that. I give attendance to that. I see someone nodding their head there, back there, and I, I know... This guy, he's a truck driver. You know, if you're going to be a truck driver, if you're going to be someone doing work uh, that's outside or whatever it might be, you'll give attention to that. You know, people give attendance. Everybody who's got a family who's a mother or father gives attendance to their children. They give some attention to them. They might make meals for them, might help them with school, might do whatever, give them a ride here or there. Uh, we give attendance to a lot of different things. Someone, again, who's interested maybe in sports, they give attention to... You know, I, I, I get the newspaper, but I flip through everything and I get to that sports section, I start reading that. You know, some people, you know what they give attendance to? They might give attendance to comics. I mean, I, I, you know, as a young person, one of the first things I would do as a little kid, I, I mean, if it was a newspaper, get rid of everything, especially the Sunday edition. And if it has a comic section, throw all that junk away. No use for all that stuff. I got the comics. The comics, hey, that's, that's, that's where my attention's going to be. I, I, I'm attending to those comics. And maybe someone, again, who's interested in maybe something like science might look into some certain magazines, or maybe someone who's in, interested in mechanics might look into some certain magazines to look at. They, they, they might look into these things. They might consider these things. Someone going to medical school or someone, again, involved with whatever it might be, they might give attendance to different things on a daily basis, on a regular basis. It's just what they do. It's what they do day in, day out. But here Paul says, give attendance to reading. Not just reading anything, but reading the Word of God. And for what purpose? It says, why, why give attendance to reading? It says, neglect, it says till I give until I come, give attendance to reading and exhortation to doctrine. And then verse 15, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that they profiting may appear to all. So you might benefit someone through the things that you read. You might be influenced by the things that you read. You might have the wisdom that you can find in this book for the things that you need. This challenge to read the Bible is not just found here, but in many passages that point to the need to look into the Word of God or to hear the Word of God. Turn to Romans chapter 10. There may be someone in this world that cannot read. You say, why can't they read? Maybe they've never learned to read. 
Maybe it's impossible for them to read. Maybe they're blind. They cannot see with their eyes. But then even with that, they have the ability maybe to read Braille. There's some people that struggle with reading. And let me encourage you, if maybe if you struggle with reading, there are many different audio-type books of the Bible, audio-type messages of the Bible. I'm certain you could find one on the phone. You could find one on the Internet. And you could listen to the Word of God. You may not read it much. You may not look at the words very much, maybe because you struggle with reading. But Romans chapter 10, verse number 17 says this, So that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If you're going to have faith, it's going to come by hearing the word of God, by reading the word of God, by looking into the word of God. You know why there's such a lack of faith today? I believe when you look around the world and even in Christians today and even in myself sometimes because we're not in the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your faith is stronger through hearing the word of God. Your faith is obtained from hearing and gaining the word of God. The Bible challenges us to read. Paul wrote to Timothy, give attendance to reading. Give attendance to it. Let's turn to Mark chapter 12. You know, Jesus encouraged Bible reading also. You say, I don't, I don't remember any passages that deal with Jesus uh, uh, challenging people to read. Well, he did do this. And although, again, it's not in the same frame or, or wording there, uh, again, you find here the Bible that Jesus challenged and encouraged people to read and even told them, that they lacked in this area of reading the scriptures. And how many today around this world could be condemned for the same things that we see here? Jesus condemned these people he talks to about reading the scriptures. In Mark chapter 12, verse number 10, the Bible says, Have you not read this scripture? Have you not read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become head of the corner. This was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Have you not read this scriptures? You know what he's telling these guys he's talking to? They haven't read the Bible. They haven't read the Bible. Haven't you read this? Haven't you read this scriptures that says the stone that the builders rejected has become head of the colder corner? Haven't you read that again, the stone that's rejected here is head of the corner? Turn over to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. When you see a challenge to read, it's not, again, something to get discouraged about. Someone says, I, I'm discouraged. I haven't read the Bible. I get you. I understand that. I didn't read the Bible for many years because I didn't even know the author. I didn't know that this book was worth reading. I didn't know that this book is something to really consider. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 3, we find here again, Let's just read the first few verses there. We'll just take it right in context. It says, And it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the cornfields, and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. And certain of the Pharisees said unto him, Why do you, why do you, that, why you do that which is not lawful to be done on the Sabbath days? And Jesus answering them said, Have you not read so much as this? What David did when himself was hungered and they that were with him and how he went in the house of God and did take and eat of the showbread and gave also them with which were with him, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests alone. And he said unto them that the son of man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And we see in the Bible, Jesus Speak to these Pharisees that were there. And he said there in verse number three, have you not read so much as this? Haven't you even read about David? Haven't you read about David who ate of the showbread? You know, someone, I mean, I'm not going to ask you here today about this, but have you ever read this? How David ate the showbread? I'm not saying, again, you have to read that, but for the Jews there, they should have read so much as this. To read about David, King David, one of the most notable people in the Bible. To read about David, and Jesus being the son of David, and of the lineage of David. Have you read through the Kings? Have you read through the Chronicles? Have you read through the books of First and Second Samuel? Have you read 
about David? Have you read what God has done? Have you read at times how God made exceptions to what other roles of the scriptures? Have you not read this? Jesus challenged people to read. He encouraged the reading of the Bible. He actually said, you know, it's surprising in a sense that you haven't read this. And it's sad and surprising that Sometimes we haven't read what we should have read. We may not have understood what to do or what to think or what to believe. There's so much distortion in the scriptures today around the world and people are being deceived by the Bible. Someone comes out with some new thing and there's a whole lot of people who just jump on the bandwagon. You say, why do they believe what that guy said? Because he knows probably that they don't read much. There's not likely many that'll come along and challenge him and what he says the Bible says, but it doesn't really say that. To Isaiah chapter 34, the prophet Isaiah, the prince, the Bible again mentions him as being one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, Isaiah. May the prophecies of Jesus Christ, his death, his life, how he'd be crucified, and all these kind of things. Again, the prophet Isaiah spoke about Jesus much. Talks about, again, that son that would be given to us. And here we see again Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 34, verse number 16, also come along and challenge us to read the Bible. To read the books of the Bible. To read the word of the Lord Notice how he says it here in Isaiah chapter 34, verse number 16. It says, Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. No one of these things shall fail. None shall want her mate. For my mouth it hath commanded, and in the spirit it hath gathered them. I have underlined those first few words in this passage here in verse 16, this verse. Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. Seek it out and read. You know, they're not going to tell you in schools necessarily to read it anymore. Maybe you don't feel like it's something you should read. But here again, the prophet Isaiah says, Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read it. Get the Bible out. Dust it off if you need to. Take it out. Open the book. Find a book to read. Look at the Bible. Read the Bible. Seek it out and read. Why? Because it can give you faith. Why? So that you might profit both yourself and others by your reading it. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, a challenge to read the Bible. Again, it's, it is a challenge these days to read the Bible. There's a lot of distractions in this world that keep, I believe, some people, well-meaning people from reading the Bible. There's so many distractions in this world and so many things to attend to on a given day that, again, sometimes, again, we neglect the reading of the Bible but even if you neglect the reading of the Bible one day, that doesn't mean to quit on it, to give up on it, to stop trying to read it. It just means to get that book out and read it now. Read it today. Read it from this day forward, whatever it might be. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 3, it says, Whereby, when ye read, when ye read. I have that under, 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 underlined by, what does that indicate for believers? It means they do read. It mentions there in verse number, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 3, it says, uh, Ephesians 3, actually I skipped to verse 4, but let's read verse 3. How, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore a few words, whereby we, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mysteries of Christ. When you read seems to indicate that Christians ought to read. When do you read? Maybe that's what we should be asked. When do you read? When should we read? How often should we read? Can you find the Bible some read on a regular basis? And that's certainly good to do. But when you read, we should read. Paul encouraged, he challenged people to read. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You know, the reading of the Bible is, is a wonderful thing. The opportunity to gain the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding of the holy is a great thing. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and uh, verse number 27. The Bible says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. This epistle, this epistle, this Thessalonican epistle, it be read to everybody who's holy, everybody that's a brother in Christ. This epistle be read. The Bible is meant to be read. It's not to be a decorative thing as it is in most churches and maybe most homes, again, where it sits on maybe a coffee table. Maybe it doesn't even sit there anymore. It's not something, again, that's we sit in a hotel room for, for, you know, just, you know, hotels. They should have a Bible. Isn't it amazing in our country most hotels do have a Bible? I think they do. Maybe they don't anymore. Oh, they got rid of the Bibles, I guess. COVID, COVID germs, yeah. Oh, there's a good, there's a good. <laughs> yes, that makes sense. COVID and germs. And get rid of the Bible. They can give them life. When they're fearful of death. Give attendance to reading. Epistles. To be read. The books of the Bible. To be read. The letters in the Bible. To be read. The Old Testament. To be read. There's a lot to be read. And someone might say. Well I just don't even know where to start. And I get that. I understand that. That makes a lot of sense. I don't know where to start. I gave you some suggestions maybe on where to start. Read the book of John. Read the book of Romans. Read the book of Ephesians. Read the New Testament. That would probably be the best place for someone who's lost to read. Just start there. Maybe read the book of Genesis if you don't believe in some things. But in general, that would be a good place to start reading. But how should we read? I want to... Look at how we should read. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. How should we read? Let me say, first of all, respectfully. Considering the Word of God is a very special book, it is God's book. There is no other book that could be deemed as God's book. Some might talk about the Quran. It's not God's book. They might talk about the Book of Mormon. It's not God's book. This is God's book, and it's meant to be read. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, verse number 17, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All Scripture, it's God's. God gave it to us. There's a lot of people that say, Oh, the Bible, that's a bunch of... Stuff that man wrote. I get that you think that. I get that most of the world believes that. I get that people look at the Bible as, you know, it's just a bunch of men writing. Even actually chauvinistic men or, you know, whatever it might be. Even toxic men. Toxic men. You hear about toxicity of men and stuff like that. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, but that's not what this book is about. This is why I think some people don't pick up the Bible, because they don't look at it as God's Word. They don't look at it as really being special. It's no better than an average novel. It doesn't have as much, you know, maybe history as some would like. It doesn't have maybe the truth as much as some would like. Maybe it doesn't have as much science as some would like, and Maybe it just doesn't have, you know, you know, the novel type things or the mysteries that someone might like. But notice here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 13, but you will find in this something different from all books. The Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, it says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of the Lord, which you heard of us, you receive it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. I have those words underlined. It is of truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in them that believe. It is in truth, the word of God. That's something you need to believe. It is the word of God. Again, as you look at the challenge to read the book, Consider very respectfully, it is the word of God. It is not 
the word of men. There's a lot of word of men. There's a lot of word of mouth. There's a lot of stuff going on in this world, and people claim this is what God has said, and God hasn't said it at all. But you can count on one thing. This word, it's the word of God. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, someone might say, well, I read the book, and I don't understand the book. I, I get that. I understand that. I was there. I believe all people at some point in their life were there, and they might wonder why I just can't understand the Bible. Let me say, first of all, because it's a special book. It's God's book. We've looked at that. It's secondly a spiritual book. It can only be read thoroughly and fully understood by those who have the Spirit of God in them. But that doesn't mean not to read it. Notice here, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of a man, for whom hath known the mind of the Lord. But we have uh, had the mind uh, we have that we may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Spiritually discerned. The things that you find in this book, you need the Spirit of God to discern them. But does that mean not to read this book? Does that mean to set aside this book? Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Does that mean, again, maybe again, you know, I really don't see any purpose in reading this book. Why should you read this book? Why should young people read this book? Why should Christians read this book? Why should children read this book? Why should all people read this book? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 gives us the answer to that. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. Why should you know the Bible? Why should you get acquainted with the Bible? You should get acquainted with the Bible because it's able to make thee wise unto salvation. It's able to give you the equipment to know how to be saved. And you need that. And all people need that. But that's why maybe you should, as an unbeliever, read the Bible. It'll make you wise unto salvation. But for a believer, why do we read it? Well, let's turn to Job chapter 23. Why do we read it? Job chapter 23. Why would a believer read the Bible? Might be a different re reasons for reading the Bible, but one of them is given here in Job chapter 23, verse number 12. Why, why should we read the Bible? Because it's, to us, a very significant book. Just like it is to the, the believer, unbeliever, it's a significant book. It'll make you wise to salvation, but notice what Job says here in Job chapter 23, and verse number 12. He says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. It's food for you. It's food for me. It's spiritual food. You know, some of us eat a lot of regular food, but the Bible mentions here, the word of his mouth, it, the Bible says here in verse number 12, it is necessary food. It's necessary. You know, there are necessary nutrients that you eat every day, and you need them. People talk about the need now to have vitamin D, and and have different things in their body to help with the, in boosting their immune system and things along that lines. And the, those things are needful and helpful, again, maybe for your, your body to be, have a strong immunity and that, those kind of things. I'm not going to talk about that too much, but, but the words of his mouth are more than necessary food. For the believer, they really need this book. They need this book to comfort them. They need the, the book to guide them. They need the book to give assurance to them. They need the book to give them hope. They need the book to give them guidance. Turn to John chapter 16. We need the Bible. You know, I think more than anything else, what believers and unbelievers need today, they need to start looking in the book and start reading it. You know, they might find in this book, you know, what the end is going to be like someday, and they might want to decide, you know, I don't want to be part of that end someday. I don't want to be a part of those, again, that the Bible describes in the Great Tribulation go through a very trying time where many people die at the hand of God and the hand of many different pestilence and things that come along in their life. 
John chapter 16, verse number 13, the Bible says here, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he who shall not speak of himself, but whosoever he shall hear, and shall he speak, he will show him things to come. You know why I read the Bible? He'll show you things to come. There's some amazing things to come. There's some amazing things to come, and you can read about them in this book. We should, again, look at the Bible and approach it rightly. We should look at it as God's book. It is a book of truth. We should look at it as a special book. We should look at it as a significant book. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 2. But we also should look at it as a book that it's something that truly doth guide us. It truly does guide us. You know, we have so much confusion in this world. And, and the further the world gets away from God and the Bible, the more confused they're going to be about life and everything. I mean, the confusion about sex, the confusion about a man and a woman, the confusion about what's right and what's truly wrong, what's moral, what's immoral. You know, there is no real you know, uh, gray in a lot of these areas where people are talking about certain things. To kill the innocent is truly wrong, whether someone believes that or not. You could go on with a lot of different things, and I'm not going to here, but Proverbs chapter 2, verse number 1 through 5, the Bible is given to us to encourage us to think. And that's something, again, we need for everyone to be doing today. Verse 1, it says, My son, if you will receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ears to wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and lifted up thy voice to understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as hid treasure, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So a lot to find there, the knowledge of God. By applying the heart, by crying after it, by seeking it out. You can't be in the, in the know as far as what God would think or what God thinks or what God believes or what we should believe as believers without looking into the Bible. Let's turn to First, uh, First Corinthians chapter 2. I just want to say this when it comes to uh, a challenge to read. There's a right approach. We should do so respectfully. We should do so, again, they're <clears throat> trying to do those things that, that are, are, are able to be uh, seen as, as things that, that can help us to, to be and become what we should be for God. And, and by looking in the Bible and, and, and sorting out through the scripture and comparing spiritual things with spiritual things, we can come, a, come to right conclusions of what God doth truly believe. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13 the Bible says, which things also we speak, not with wisdom of words, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches us, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Cross-referencing. Understanding there are parallel passages. Seeking out the meanings of words and seeking out the reasons for the reading of a book. These are all good things for us to do. We need a right approach. Let me say this. Secondly, we need a right absorption or right um, taking in the Word of God, whatever you want to say. Um, how can we do this? Well, we've got to read. I'll give you three parts here. These are three parts. Again, just normal three parts. You know, read it. You've got to think on it or reflect on it. And then you need to record it. Read it. Compare spiritual things with spiritual things. Let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. Consider the context. Consider, again, the, the author. Consider the history. Consider, I mean, what the Bible taught at that time in history. Uh, again, that, that has a, a difference. I mean, we're not sacrificing animals today. Someone said, I don't get why we don't do that. They did that in the Old Testament. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. No need for lambs anymore. No need for sacrifices anymore. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 8, it says, So they read in the book of the law distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. They read, they gave the sense, 
and cause them to understand. When it comes to the challenge to read the Bible, I, I'd encourage you to just read what you can understand at a given time. I mean, it's like, again, when it comes to classroom settings, they don't tell you, no, hey, read through all your history in the first week and then take the test at the end. Why? You can't read that much and absorb that much. No one can. I, I, at least I don't know anybody that can. Maybe somebody can. Maybe someone with you know, some memory, whatever, could read through a book and set it down and say, I got it all. Why don't we do that? Because we can't take all that in. So read the book of the law distinctly. And he gave them the sense. It caused them to understand the reading. We consider, again, who is addressed, especially in a passage of Scripture. Is it saved or lost people? There's a lot of confusion about a lot of different doctrines because people, again, will ascribe things to save people that are ascribed to lost people or vice versa. What is the passage really saying? If, uh, you know, what's being said makes sense, don't look for some other different sense to it. Read it. And then seek to apply it. Apply it. Turn to Psalm chapter 1. Apply what you read. You know, you're sitting there and you're, you're studying, you're reading, you're trying to maybe read through a few books of the Bible this year. Maybe you're trying to read through the New Testament. Maybe you're trying to read through the whole Bible. I don't know what your goals or aspirations might be, but don't get discouraged with, you know, by the end of this year, I didn't read the whole Bible. There's not a lot of people that read the Bible every year. And if they do... Does that somehow make them better? That somehow put them in a class all by themselves? It might. It might be someone who reads the Bible every year, but you wonder if they just read it a little slower, maybe they just get a little bit more out of it. You know, I mean, get your this done, get that done, get this done. I got it all done. I got all my six verses from here's one from here and one from here and one from here and one from there. And got that done today. I'm done with that. Down the road down in my kitchen, off to work, whatever it might be. The Bible would have us to reflect on the word. Look at here, Psalm chapter 1, verse number 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law that he meditate day and night. I mean, thinking about the whole, uh, again, the Bible, thinking about the law, thinking about the Word of God, meditating on it day and night, not just in the morning when you read it, or not at night when you read it, or not in the afternoon when you read it, or whenever you might read it, but thinking on it, and uh, just spending some time on it. Samuel said to Saul, Again, you can write this down if you're taking notes. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse number 27, Stand still a while that I might show thee the word of God. Just stand still a while that I might show thee the word of God. You know, the reason sometimes we can't get into the book and, the, and, and stick in the book is we won't stand still for a while. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Read it. Reflect it. And maybe seek to write down something about it. Maybe, again, if it's your Bible, again, I do this. I, I don't think there's anywhere in the Bible that says, again, you know, writing on it, putting, you know, maybe some stars, some underlines or whatever it might be. Uh, again, there's nothing that says, you know, this is, whatever, you can't do that to it, uh, that I know of. You can certainly point that out if there's maybe somewhere that maybe you, you come up with you can't do anything to the Word of God, but it's to be read, revered, and uh, we need to record some things about it. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 15. You know, we're not only to read it, but we're to study it. And the King James Version says to study it. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show thyself approved unto God. You know, one of the ways that we are approved of God 
And we should want the approval of God by studying it. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, if you're studying for a test and it's history or chemistry or physics or economics or whatever, you know what you normally do? You'll read something, you'll study it, you'll learn about it. You know, you'll, you'll normally write some notes about it, won't you? I mean, that's, that's normal, that's regular, that's what most people do. Why not do the same with the Bible? Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Why not do the same with the Bible? Why not take some notes concerning it? I mean, we're studying now here through a particular book of the Bible, the book of Judges here on Wednesday nights. And why not write some things down that you can look at someday for yourself? Or maybe ask me about, or maybe ask somebody about, uh, else about. Take some notes concerning maybe what you read. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 1 through 3, it says, My son, forget not my law, but let thy heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add unto thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the tables of thy heart. Bind them about thy neck. We don't do maybe what this says to do, but it would literally take some of the truths of the Bible and put them about thy neck. Notebooks, keeping maybe a verse or two handy, writing down maybe questions, looking at perplexing passages and maybe considering them again should be something that we do. Turn to Proverbs chapter 7 here. Bind them. Write them. We see this in Proverbs chapter 7, verse number 1 through verse number 3. My son, keep my words, lay them Upon my commandments with it, keep my commandments and live. And my law is an apple of the light. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thy heart. How could you write it on the table of your heart? I think that would be reference maybe to memorizing them. Record, store. This is what the Bible says, hide them in thy heart. Psalm chapter 119 says, Hide them in the heart that they might not sin against thee. Hide them. Put them in your heart. Just like you would memorize maybe mathematical tables. What's two times two? Six times six. Eight times eight. Twelve times twelve. Twelve times eleven. Twelve times eleven is what? 132, right? Twelve times twelve, 144. I memorize those things. They're bound in my heart. I... I I don't think they'll ever get out. I had some that I was confused with. Six times seven, 42. Three times five is 35. I could take anything from basically one to 12. 12 times 12 and down. I could, I could, I could multiply those like instantaneously, like very fast. You say, how do you do that? I memorized them. I put them in my heart. They're there to stay. When did I learn those? Before age 10, around age 10. I had them down like that. How did you get them? Flashcards. Ever work with flashcards? Oh, I forgot. That's old school. What do you guys do now? I don't remember. I remember our kids. It was fun. I just thought it was the greatest thing ever. When on the computer, we had this game, and you would ride. There would be like horse riders going along. And, and you'd go along, and you, as you did this thing, I mean, it interacted with you. I thought it was the coolest thing ever, and here I had to do the old flashcards growing up. I was like, boy, that's, well, that's what we had to do. That's what we had. Maybe you had something else, I don't know. Bind them upon your heart so you can say them. What's John 3, 16 say? Anybody say that? If you've been around, you should know that. What's Romans 3, 10 say? What's Romans 6, 23 say? I mean, can you quote any of the Bible? Can I quote any of the Bible? What if this Bible was taken away abruptly from you someday? What if this Bible was taken away from our government someday? What if anything that had to do with the Bible was taken down from the internet someday? What if everything was gone someday? What would you have? Uh, I hope somebody hid it somewhere. There's some people that memorize the scriptures. The promises of God. 
the perplexing things of God. Someone says, well, I know one verse. Jesus wept. Glad for you. What verse is that, by the way? Well, I think some of you know. John 11.35, isn't it? Jesus wept. Maybe I'm wrong. Let's turn to James chapter 1. I mean, when it comes to reading the Bible, how are you ever going to memorize any? How are you going to retain anything? Well, you've got to read it, and then you've got to reread it. Some people say, well, I, don't, I never get anything the first time around. Well, I don't know many that get it the first time around. I don't know many that are so special, gifted, that they have this photographic memory where they see it once, they can repeat it. There are some people probably that almost have that, and there might be some that do have that, but I'm not like that. Most people aren't like that. So when it comes to the Word of God, let me say this finally, and very importantly, seek to rightly apply it. James chapter 1 and verse number 21, the Bible says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superiority of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the grafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. For if any man be a hearer of the word, and not a doer of the word only, he's like on a man beholding his faith, his uh, beholding his natural face in the glass, or he beholdeth himself and goeth away and straightly forgetteth what manner a man he is. But whosoever looketh in the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. I have that word underlined, continueth therein. He being a, not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Be a doer. But be doers of the word, James said. Don't, don't just hear it, but do it. Seek to apply it. I mean, if the Bible says something is wrong and you see again that you've done wrong, confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you see something in the Bible that, again, encourages you to change your course in life, then do it. If there's something that comforts you in the Bible, cling to it. If there's a challenge in the Bible given there for you to hold to, Hold to it. To read the Bible prayerfully, apply it to your heart and practice it. That's what we should be doing.